The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow, and I'm joined tonight by Sue Timberlake. Hey there. And John Roberts. And we're going to be talking about the politics and the stuff. And uh, oh my goodness, what a week this is. Um, Before we get into that, though, I do just want to mention a few things. One, we love to hear from you, and we hope uh, you might contact us in a few different ways, such as emailing us. At civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. Or Twitter, it's at civilpoliticsfm. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. And you can uh, find our website with uh, recordings of previous episodes of the show and maybe some supplemental episodes and other good stuff, which is quite simply civilpoliticsradio.com. Uh, as we go along during the show, Jama tries to post rep- uh, links to things we talk about. Uh, and he uses the hashtag civil references to make it easier to follow along. Um, one thing, actually, uh, we do, uh, uh, sorry, one thing we would like uh, folks to, to think about is, um, you know, if you uh, let us know what you're interested in, we can certainly talk about it some more. Um, we've gotten some of our best shows out of uh listener questions and feedback and uh, that's just something we decided that we wanted to try and encourage more here in the new year uh, with all its exciting possibilities um, and in particular uh, next week uh, we should have Nicole Chapelle, who's the mayor of East Hampton back on the show uh, so anybody who's got any questions for her that we'd, you'd like us to talk, take up with her please do drop us a line and let us know like how was Israel how is Israel, <laughs> since she was on a junket there? Yeah. Her junket got off okay. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, she's not in a, you know, a pissing contest with the president, so that, that, that makes things easier, I guess. Also, I think she flew commercial. Um, I, I, I presume she didn't get a flight from the Pentagon. So, uh, yeah. And how is that government shutdown going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I th- yeah, I Peaches. thought Jonra was going to say something there, but well, uh, <laughs> oh, he is. It's happening. Yeah, <laughs> and even as we speak. Yeah, um, four weeks now. It's twenty-eight days. <sighs> it is mm-hmm. the longest shutdown in history. Oh yeah, by um, far. And it is terrible. Mm-hmm. And um, it's hurting a lot of people. Yeah, uh, eight still like eight hundred thousand people out of work. Yeah, uh, and still out of work, and they just missed um, their first paycheck like last week or the week before. I forget. So stupid question: If you add three hundred thousand jobs in a month, but lose eight hundred thousand jobs the next month, are you creating? Jobs? Are you talking about like the job report? <laughs> yeah. Well, the jobs aren't lost; they're furloughed. But I think, honestly, I think that when this is over, um, the uh, Many offices in the executive will say, oh, well, this worked without this many people, and maybe get rid of some people. 
Well, if you're non-essential and furloughed but not called into work, how does that make you feel? Makes exactly. Makes you feel terrible. Uh, well, it probably makes you feel pretty good that you're not being uh, asked to work without pay. I, I guess so. I think it makes people nervous. Uh, I would I would rather be asked to work without pay. Yeah, it means you're essential. <laughs> well, yeah, one, it means I'm essential. Two, um, Although that definition's I'd, I'd get paid. <laughs> like these people that well, are furloughed. Well, they've paid retrospectively. They've paid both the furloughed folks and the folks that had to come in. Yeah. Okay. So you get paid even if you don't work. So that's kind of hard on the people that are essential but had to work. So if you're hourly and you're furloughed, then you still get paid for you the still hours get paid. that you in don't. In fact, that's what Congress was just passing. They passed yeah. it. And that's happened in the past, too. Did Congress pass it or did the House pass it? No, both. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, it's sort of interesting, and I think it's, it's, it's sort of interesting. I'll just leave it at that. Well, part of the part of the issue with it, and I'm I'm forgetting the exact uh, U.S. criminal code, but I was actually uh, uh, listening. Uh, I was reading about this, and I I got a handy uh, refresher from a, a great uh, podcast I listened to called Opening Arguments. Um, the uh, the law is that uh, the government can't compel somebody to work. They can't say like this position is essential unless it's. And, and force someone to, to work without pay. Life, limb, and there's like three terms. Yeah, right? un, un, unless so, unless it's there's an immediate risk to human life or property. You know, like it has to be like exigent circumstances, effectively. And so, for example, the uh, insisting, you know, the president saying, like, I'm going to have the IRS keep working and send back your, re- your refund checks, even though that's... Well, that's property. <laughs> yeah, but you're not losing it. It's There's no danger of losing it. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's just a refund. You know, it's it's, you know, like they just mail it later and pay you interest or whatever. You know, like there's no use it or lose it threat. Okay. Well, so I was going to say agencies are not didn't get affected by this. There's seven of them, right? Yeah, but the, the IRS is is one yeah. of the five. Yes, yeah, one of the ones. That I was going to say um, the people getting refunds. That's that is that can't be life. <laughs> Oh sure, but, it's I a mean, big it, you're deal. not you're not going to be denied the refund, but I know a lot of right. people that depend on the refund. A lot of Just years like there are a lot of people who are depending on their paychecks, and well, because a lot of years they've been delayed, and and some of the tax companies will f- will front you money against your refund, so they figure out your taxes and then they give yeah. you give you a tax loan. Question is, will they be Sometimes doing that? At very very unpleasant interest rates too. You oh, know? of course. Because they can, right? But well, that are they changing their terms? Because for the federal employees, they you know, people may not get it back as as quickly. But. Well, and there's the whole idea of, uh, I think that I think one thing this whole shutdown is I think is going to demonstrate or is demonstrating, uh, is the opposite of the uh, you know crazy right wing Grover Norquist argument that the government's useless and doesn't do any good. It's like I think what people are discovering is just how much the government does that helps them, that benefits them. That it shouldn't be doing, but it is doing. Okay. Uh, why shouldn't <laughs> it be doing? Oh, there's a lot of things the government's doing that it shouldn't be doing. Uh, the point of the government is to, uh, oh, God, how does the Constitution's preamble go? Provide for the general welfare and common defense? I mean, like, you know. Used to be the post office in the in the, in the the Defense Department. That was it. Uh, War Department. But, yeah. War Department. But, uh, I, d- I don't see how making sure that, uh, you know, there's food inspections, 
you know, some of which are happening, some of which aren't, because they're handled by different. What's government that clause? I didn't bring my constitution today, but usually I do. But um, yeah, I'm just saying it, it remains to the state. In the in the preamble, it specifically, you know, it says that the the whole point is to uh, uh, provide for the general welfare for everybody. And you know, I've had this argument with conservatives about all kinds of things. It's like, where does it say the government should provide health care? That's not enumerated. I'm like. It's a general. It's certainly part of providing for people's general welfare, and why shouldn't the government provide, you know, health care? You're people? saying federal government. Why not? Yeah. See, I think a lot of that stuff could stay at the states and be much better done. Uh, I don't think we need to send. Tell them. me again about <laughs> what you think about the state of Massachusetts, uh, uh, Galvin, in particular. About the state of Massachusetts. At least uh, I can vote him out. <laughs> You can vote out people in the in the federal level too, but the but uh, you Me know forty nine other states. But they're signing up people automatically to vote, and you said you hated that I because do. you don't like Galvin. the state of Massachusetts, right? Okay. Yeah, I said I don't like Galvin. He's you know, he's as corrupt as they come, in my opinion. Okay, so in other words, you think the state should handle it because the states do it better, except you think yeah. the state doesn't do it well. And I, I, I think I have lots of avenues to complain and you know do all that. I just think it belongs at the state level, and I think that's the problem, at least from my perspective, that there's just way too much stuff that's been. So they, you know, the feds take all the money and then they they give us back you know fifty cents, and it's just I. I don't, I don't see the role of the federal government in a lot of that. Notwithstanding that they are involved right now in shutting it off is very painful. I yeah. do agree with that. But I think that the government way overreaches what it does. The federal government, sorry. I need to be clear. The federal government. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there's something to be said for making sure that there are uh, the same standards for food safety all across the country, mm -hmm. especially when food is shipped across state lines. That's interstate commerce. That's interstate not an overreach. Commerce, right? That is exactly what it's for. Exactly, I agree. So, uh, and and I I like to think that the safety of people, even in you know deep south places that I'm supposed to sneer at as a Yankee, like Alabama or whatever, are just as important as you know my own, uh, you know starchy Yankee uh, life. So, you know why should why should we uh, allow uh, the state of different states to set lax safety standards it depends on what it is you know if it's okay to catch catfish and eat them out of the river i don't think the fed really federal government really should care so much about that you mean if the if the food is safe yeah i think if if but I then th the issue is like you know is the river being overfished and you know what's happening with the whole water table and I don't you know and the, the river flows through a lot of states it's true but i don't think the federal government has enough people to ever do that properly it has to be local it's got to be but it's there are also local agencies handling a lot of this stuff yeah, too yeah so what's the problem ching 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 i just hear the money adding up and adding up the layers and the layers and the layers <laughs> When you know, when I used to be sort of more involved in healthcare, you know, the the Medicare folks would come in and inspect us, and they'd say you can't use any checklists, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. And then the Department of Public Health from the state would come in and said, well, we Where really like, checklists? yeah, we like your checklist. And then um, you know, the other one of the surers would come in and say, well, you know, we need these other things, the review on the third day, and and it goes on endlessly. It's almost like it's a patchwork of well, it, it, all it, these do-gooders who think who think they know best and i think it's got to be simple and you okay. know regulatable and okay sue straightforward sue i understand you wanting it that way but here's the reality i think one 
uh, it's always going to be a patchwork when you have divided sovereignty the way we do in our federal system. But I'm talking about an overlayered patchwork. It's one thing to have a patchwork. It's another to have but the, the, 50 patchworks. The overlayered <laughs> patchwork is unavoidable with our, our, our current system. Because unless you want to have unless you want the federal government to have no involvement whatsoever You've got to in administering health healthcare and, and you know health insurance and pro- providing for the safety of hospitals, then they have very little role. It's a joint commission. They're a private entity that actually inspects and accredits. Uh, one thing just listening to you guys, one thing that I was thinking of is the well what you said before, the um is is insurance is health insurance a right uh and obviously the founders had would have no idea about like health in, insurance companies or anything like that when writing the constitution you know about health care fixing a broken leg is a right but it's, it's the it's yeah that in, that's well no i'm talking about the health insurance system oh. and how and how we we provide health care they under i mean they understood that you know um you should you should probably help someone fix their leg but they didn't they didn't think about like you have to pay pay. this and you have to do this and it and the the issue that i sometimes think about is um it's not that we should provide health insurance it's that we should just provide health care i agree because insurance is like a government over yeah overreach insurance the insurance process is insanity and if and the problem that we're having right now, especially with the marketplaces and everything like that, is that the insurance process is still that that we are taking part in the insurance process instead of the insurance process taking part in us. Yeah. Well, and yeah, obviously. Yeah. Well, that's well, mm. that's the thing. Like when we're when we're debating what's going on, like you that that's why I I don't know how you feel about this, Sue, but um, re rethinking about um how medicare works and how how that process works and just in the way that we can just provide basic care for people vanilla yes exactly and let all the other fancy things happen out externally yeah it's it's you know if you need a surgery you just get a surgery but if you if you need it like it and then we get into like what's required and what what's not and everything like that but the but the the basic thing is, if I have a broken leg, then um, I shouldn't have to talk to a company about where and when I can fix my broken leg, and whether or not your doctor's order they are going to honor. Exactly, <laughs> because you know what, they're not doctors. Yeah, it's very messed up, and I I say the federal government is somewhat like that too, in that they have all these op- overlapping responsibilities. Look at all the stuff that happened in the economy, because the SEC there are like five different agencies that had some piece of responsibility, but nobody had all of it. And one of the, at least my principles, is that responsibility lines up with authority. And when you start to fragment that stuff, so the guy that gets the reward isn't the same as the guy that gets the risk, whenever you start to split that stuff all up, then you you end up with these systems, and I'm talking about systems sort of in a generic sense. I'm sorry. Are, are you talking about a problem with the government, or are you talking about the problem with American businesses? Because... You know, as things like the uh, uh, Deepwater Horizon disaster demonstrated, the the public the publicizing of risk and the privatization of reward is a huge problem. It's that's a causing huge problem. massive damage to 
well, every aspect of human society and, and our environment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I agree but, with that. But I'm saying that the same thing's happening with the government, like in the economic system where, and I forget the five agencies that oversee stocks and derivatives and, you know, dark money and banks. and But there were five different agencies and none of them actually had the power. They'd go shopping for bond rating because they could go to a different agency to get the to get the rating or the um, the uh, the Moody's I, rating. So, you know, they were well, using... Moody's is a private agency. But they they would go to all different agencies to get to get those um, reviews, and if they didn't like what the SEC said, they would go to another government agency. They would shop for the stupidest regulator, <laughs> and it's it's a problem when you have these overlapping, over complex regulatory scenarios. It has to be sort of sweet and clean. This guy gets to decide, and you know. If you're out of compliance, you're out of compliance. The part of my problem with big government is that they have 18 different agencies that are in charge of it. For example, we were talking about shutdowns a little bit, but there's a there's a dog food recall that just popped out from the FDA today, mm-hmm. and um, it's some compound that all these dog food companies get from. I won't say China, but last time it was China. This time I don't know who it's from, and it's um, gives your dog a vitamin D overdose, which is can kill the dog. And they're just discovering it. They're just posting the dog foods on the website of the FDA. So it's good that it's still open. I actually looked to see if they were posting them, but it popped up, um, actually not today, two days ago. And, you know, it's sort of like, but what if there was some other agency that they could talk to and they would say, well, you don't really have to recall it. You know, you don't really have to do this. You don't really have to do that. You know, it's when there's that complexity of government, which is by design, so that organizations can game it. And I think that our government's gotten so big that it gets gamed a lot. So it's terrible, the shutdown. It's really poorly what our, um, quote, uh, so, so-called so leaders are doing. But I also think that there's a huge part of government that is du- not duplicitous, duplicative. Super, uh, superfluous? Sur- yeah, superfluous. Redundant. Duplicative. <laughs> redundant, as they'd say in Britain. It's redundant. Yeah, redundant. That's a perfectly good word in yeah. American English, too. Well, <laughs> the, would they mean layoffs? Because yeah. you, you're redundant instead of essential. Yeah. You're redundant. But there's a lot of stuff that's redundant, and it's and it's grown up by history, and I think there is a fair amount of clearing out we can do. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody said, Oh, yeah. I mean, we could way, totally get rid of ICE and... Uh, Probably should get rid of Border Patrol too. They have a they have a long and horrible Wait. history of racist violence. Are you a Democrat? Uh, I, I I'm opposed to violent police organizations. Oh, I understand. I, th- I thought that made me a conservative. Oh, maybe the po- I'm, I'm I'm confused. Yeah, there's four. Wasn't there four policemen that were let go today? I thought it was three who were acquitted. Three. But yeah. Yeah, and they had they they, helped, were, they, they covered up they the were, other guy that shot the kid. Uh, in Chicago, and I, I, uh, I'm tired today. I can't remember the names, and I was just reading about this. Yeah. The 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 man who, uh, I can't remember the the former police officer's name, but he shot that poor fellow uh, who was walking away from him 16 times in the back. Yep. Eventually, the footage came out. He was convicted, and he's for for that horrible murder and abuse of authority. He's been sentenced to a whopping. Just under seven years in prison. Yeah. But all the guys that Less covered it up. Less than seven years. Well, they've been acquitted by yes. a judge, which is just... That's what I'm being shocked about today. Well, but... But, <laughs> but um, yes. Uh, you know, if you publicly murdered someone in that kind of horrible fashion, do you think you'd get less than seven years in prison? 
I mean, she might. I wouldn't. I uh, I doubt I would. We all get different sentences, officers. all three of us. Yeah, um, David sorry. Marsh, um, David March, Joseph Walsh, and Thomas Gaffney. Uh, they they were um, acquitted. That from the Laquan, yeah. uh, Anderson, I believe. Yes. Even though they clearly conspired. Ma- Laquan McDonald. Sorry. Laquan McDonald. Yeah. They. There. There's. There's a lot of deep-rooted corruption in. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, the justice system, especially at the various state levels. But, you know, I, I agree. We should definitely, like, defer that kind of stuff to the states as much as possible because, you know, what business does the federal government have overseeing that kind of thing or stepping in to stop abuses? Of I human hope rights. the state actually does some of what they're supposed to do <laughs> and uses their authority to fix the it. The hell you say. <laughs> um, do what they're well, supposed to do. Why is that going to happen? Well... I mean, in this, the best of all possible worlds, Albert Camus. <laughs> I just, I think that when you get layers on top of layers, that you you don't get a better outcome. Uh, well, layers on you top, f- layers on top of layers are an inevitable function of our federal system, as I was saying before. Yeah. And since you were just inveighing, you've also <laughs> complained about how you don't like centralized authority, and you like <laughs> the idea that things are being deferred to the states, like I. This is what you want. Local. Yeah. This is what you this is what you I want. I want to be able to vote somebody out or go store, stone their house. Well, I wouldn't stone their house, but you know, I want it maybe I, maybe <laughs> maybe pull the boards off the walls, <laughs> yeah, you know. I don't know. Um egging, tar and feather them. <laughs> Let Egging them know how I feel. Paper. It's just yeah. so much easier when it's a local authority. So, and I have well, and great faith in the local people and, straightening things and, out. And that's great. And I've been proved wrong many times. And you'd certainly <laughs> and you'd certainly um I think be very comfortable in that kind of milieu in the 18th century <laughs> when this country was set up. But you have to face the the sad realities. First off, they're not from the government and they're not here to help you. First off, <laughs> We live in a society that is vastly larger. There's 330 million Americans now. There were, what, 12 million in the colonies? I'm not trying to go back to the colonies. No, but I, I'm just saying, you want to go back to local? There's I want to also go to modern issue. management. I, I'm a firm believer in modern oh, management. Oh, modern management. <laughs> Didn't we have that from in the, during the, the Kennedy administration, like at the Department of Defense? You know, wasn't that uh, the whole point of Robert McNamara? Modern management oh, of the Vietnam War? Oh, he doesn't know wars? anything about modern management. McNamara? He <laughs> no. Was, he was the epitome of modern management. I don't think so. <laughs> Can you define yes, modern was. management? So modern management is where you actually do measures and outcomes, evaluate, assess, re-intervene. It's almost like the circles, the, the um, quality circles of Deming, Robert Deming, that went to Japan and created all the high-quality um, cars and things there. It's a it's a practice where you're actually looking at things objectively, and you do align up um, authority and responsibility. I was talking to somebody recently, and this is a very short story, and they were saying that, oh, um, we used to try and do it that way. We'd have all the stuff shipped to the um, shipped to the receiving department, but it would go missing. So we decided that instead of shipping it to receiving where it could be checked in and made sure that it came in. We just ship it to all the sites with no oversight. So now you've gone from a place where you had oversight, you know, with the shipping and receiving department, to a place where it just goes out to all the sites and there's never anybody that says it all came in, it wasn't back ordered, three of them weren't broken, none of that function happens anymore. 
And I said, you, that's not how you solve that. You clean out the, the receiving department so that when they receive something, it comes in, it gets checked in, and it goes to the site it belongs to. It, that's modern management. You don't, you don't work around and create you know, fiefdoms and little problems. You, you clean it up. You just you just clean it up. So anyway, I, that's, I, my, that's my um, well. I'm certainly in favor <laughs> soapbox of, today. <laughs> I'm certainly in favor of more efficient and better administrated govern government. But um, you know, unless you want to have one central central government authority, you're going to wind up with these competing fiefdoms. Like it's it's inevitable. They're not. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I, we have a larger society, you can't have the same kind of local accountability because we don't live in these smaller, more separated communities. You know, we like do twenty six thousand in Northampton. People, right? And that's a small town. That's a where I come from. <laughs> and yet, at the same time, you can go from Northampton to Boston in two hours. You can get you know like, and there's there's another town right there. You know, it's not like. Uh, uh, there is the, this stretch of wilderness between Northampton and, and like the next major center. No, but they, you know, those, they're all those, well, the New England towns have very interesting structures of government, but I fundamentally, I fundamentally trust local governments because they're responsive to the people that vote them in and out. And then you, once in a while you get something that goes really haywire and then the state has to step in. But I, I you know, like Springfield, they put in, didn't they put in a, um, uh, oversight board for a while they were in weren't they in default Springfield and Chelsea and I forget a couple other cities that were in they'd spent all their money they couldn't meet payroll and they'd you know run off with all the money I forget what happened but anyway so I, I believe in that but keeping it as local and as close to the knitting as possible that's another famous book by mm -hmm. um, Porter who's a businessman but staying close to your knitting I think is always a good thing uh Sure. I mean, the advantages to that are, are obvious. Um, Ask the guy who's building it but what needs to be fixed. But when you've got a country that is 1,000 miles uh, uh, north to south and 3,000 miles east to west just in the main part, plus, you know, Alaska, Hawaii, and other outlying territories, uh, when you've got it, and it's been set up with many different sort of administrative levels by design. Yep to prevent the concentration of power and the creation of, of a dictatorship, which is a big problem, uh, you inevitably are going to have these overlapping sovereignties and these colliding interests and whatnot. And because... And those not and because, reserved. <laughs> and because, because you have uh, this ease of movement and all these people interacting and all these interests interacting, all these businesses and Works local pretty communities... Good. It works pretty good in yes. this country. Yeah, oh, capitalism. Oh. Yeah, not bad. Uh, not bad. I don't think that's capitalism. No, not really. I, d I mean, I, I, just the system of governing that we yeah. have. I don't think that yeah. that would it's, really it's, uh, be covered. That it's that wouldn't capitalism. fall under capitalism. No, but I'm saying that capitalism, which which moves a lot of the stuff and the trucks and the, the that it's 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 overseen by local governments but yeah capitalism is actually what makes this country have all the distribution systems and all the businesses that find i mean that capitalism is sort of a, a one of the well, all right of the now stool. we're now we're yeah well, now you're <laughs> switching the, now you're switching gears yeah that's before i can point out how you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to come back and do that wow okay <laughs> i i look forward to you pointing out to how i'm wrong but 
but in, in a nutshell, if you look at the contrast between uh, how the United States sets it up with, you know, the no barriers between states or whatever, that's one advantage the United States had for a long time over places like France. You know, one of the things the French Revolution accomplished was just the abolition of all these incredibly, you know, arbitrary little tariff barriers between small segments of France. Yeah, and toll roads, just all kinds of problems. Anyway, I know Jamra is getting ready here and giving (laughs) me the signal. So we got to take a short break here on Civil Politics, play some uh, PSAs, promos, and station IDs. Uh, But don't go away. We'll be right back. Fresh Sounds with your host, Ron Freshly, Tuesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WXOJLP, bringing you the music of Bud Powell, Wardell Gray, Art Blakey, Duke Ellington, Abby Lincoln, Tad Dameron, Yousef Latif, Bix Beiderbeck, Cassandra Wilson, Tom Harrell, Jane Ira Bloom, and thousands more. For all the best in Americana, check out Roots and More Tuesday morning from 7 to 9. From blues, folk and rock to Cajun, Zydeco and alternative country, Roots and More brings you emerging artists, new releases and older favorites. Tune in Tuesday morning from 7 to 9 on Valley Free Radio. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen, high blood pressure can cause kidney damage blindness, heart attack, stroke, and you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Classical music on Valley Free Radio. Tune in to Andy Musik Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. for an hour of beautiful music to start your day. Hosted by Lucy and Larry. You are listening to Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM. I'm Mayor David Narkowitz, and I support Northampton's community radio station. I'm Rachel Maddow with the Pioneer Valley Planning Commission and the Franklin Regional Council of Governments for Valley Free Radio. Reminding you that legally, bicycles are vehicles and bicyclists have the same rights and responsibilities and should observe the same rules as motorists. For more information on bicycle rights and safety, go to www.massbike.org. What did they just say? If you often find yourself asking that, you may benefit from the new audio-enhancing technology available at the Forbes Library in Northampton. Designed to work with or without a hearing aid, the new and improved audio-visual systems in our meeting rooms, along with countertop loop systems at our service desks, are some of the new technology the library now has. With federal funds provided by the Institute of Museum and Library Services and administered by the Massachusetts Board of Library Commissioners. You'll now find hearing the librarian and guest lecturers a whole lot easier. Call 413-587-1017 or email info at ForbesLibrary.org to find out more. My name is Amanda Messer. I'm 17 years old, and I'm a student from Turner's Falls High School. Billboard bodies. Does anybody really look like that? Someone could be flipping through a magazine, looking at that pretty girl or that buffed out guy, then go gag themselves. We need to love our looks for what they are, other than what people say they need to be. People can have beauty no matter what they look like. 
Beauty only comes from the, from the heart, soul, and mind. Most magazines emphasize the outside when it's the inside that really matters. And change in society would be most ideal for everyone. The Lily Library is filled with adventure and wonder for kids and adults of all ages. Lily Library in downtown Florence lends books and movies to everyone. They offer free parking, free Wi-Fi, and two-hour sessions on internet-connected computers. They also offer extensive programs for children, including story hours, clubs, and activities for teens, as well as adult programs. The library is open Tuesday and Thursday evenings, Saturdays and Sundays. Find out more at lilylibrary.org. Hi, I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! You're listening to Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM in Northampton, Massachusetts. Today, community broadcasting is more important than ever. Corporate interests affect what music we hear on commercial radio, and real news and opinion take a backseat to ratings and profits. Valley Free Radio is owned by its members, operated by volunteers, its programming created by your friends and neighbors, and it's wholly supported by the community. Please consider going to www.valleyfreeradio.org donate to support free speech in the Pioneer Valley. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow. Uh, I'm still disputing with Sue Timberlake, card-carrying Republican. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, I just got my new card. (laughs) They had money to send that out. Oh, wait, that was the Republican Party. Never mind. (laughs) Yes, the the enthusiastic shills for the ultra-rich are always going to have some cash. (laughs) You know, that's... It'd be a cold day in hell when they don't. <laughs> uh, we have John Roberts still running the board for us, and uh, you know. Oh, the women's march tomorrow. To we didn't even mention that because there's two women's marches tomorrow, right? There's the um, the uh, pro-life uh, women in Washington, and there's also a local and national and international women's march tomorrow too. March for Life was today, though. Was it today? Yeah. Then the women's march, the other women's marches. Lots tomorrow. of interesting quotes from that. Uh, from the the march of women who don't believe in their own right to health care? No, just March for Life. Oh. I don't know if that's specifically for women or not, but like yeah. I don't know, like Ben Shapiro was there. Yeah, he's always fun. But, well, Pence was there. It's yeah. of it's, course he was. It's the, it's the march of people who don't believe women deserve full health care and personal autonomy. So you know, it's that's it's what the it march is. for men's life. Yeah, like I just I just want to break right here and just ask you publicly to. You need to express yourself some more, not okay. hold your opinions in so much. All right. All right. I'm sorry. You're very you're like a shrinking violet when you're when we're talking about politics. I and, apologize. Uh need to pick it up. All right. Okay. <laughs> I am totally pro choice, as you guys know, but I do respect the right of other people to have a different opinion than me. Sure. As long as it's their body. I, I have no problem That's with That's the whole point. Yeah. Yes. That that I have no problem with with someone deciding that they, you know, that they, you know, want to, uh, uh, you know... Carry to term. Ha- well, carry to term or have a medical procedure to make it so that they can have kids or or whatever. You know, like, that's cool. Yep. It's when they think that their decision should be imposed through government fiat upon them, you know. Like, which, as we've said before, we talked about this before, and it's like, you know, I should be a conservative because I think that, because I think the government should... Libertarian, at least. Well, the gov- like... Like the government should have less power and the government should keep its laws off our bodies 
is a is a thing. Is a feminist thing, yeah. Yeah, but it's apparently you know uh, makes me a crazy liberal. So there you go. And, uh, and and you know since it's a conservative position that's somehow a liberal position, I am thus perfectly positioned to be a card carrying Democrat. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I, don't, I, don't I didn't get a card in the mail, did I? Anyway, whatever. Um, well, Democrats never have any money to from the Beat DNC. Beat me to it. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. Your, your Republican card is like gold inlay and everything. Yeah. And, the, the, and the Democrats is like on the back of like a post-it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, probably. You, I use mine. I think you get a little stamp when you go into an event, don't you? Isn't that your? Sorry. Uh. Never mind. I, I never bother to go. So. Yeah, uh, oh, there you go. You just send money. I know you. But yeah. um. I, I do think that it's it's a complicated issue, and I do I do believe in people's sort of right to march and say what they want and and do all those kinds of things. And sure. I any fights I don't think it's I don't think the pro life position is conservative at all. I agree with you, but it's it's sort of a historical thing. I don't know why people have picked sides like that like they have. So and I usually fight with people who are um, conservative but um, pro life about. Um, being against war, if you really feel that way. I usually go there. Because it's like, oh, so it's an innocent life? That's what the difference is? <laughs> but the, the point of the, the uh, anti-choice movement, uh, which calls itself pro-life, but it really it's the anti-choice movement, but the whole point is they want to control women's sexuality, and that's really connected to their larger sort of agenda. I, I think, basically, when you, when you see the pro-life, you should really think like... Uh, Christian fascism. I really think that's what it should be. Now, see, I'm and, not... And, and uh, as, as uh, someone who has no real interest in religious stuff, it's like, oh, God, I hate those guys. <laughs> well, see, I'm, you know, I'm an atheist also, or you, you may know. Yeah. Um, but I see in the Catholic Church two different groups of people, and this is a very um, sexist thing to say, but of course I'm going to say it, because you guys can, you know, harass me later. Um, there's the cool nuns, and then there's the, the horrible priests. Um, exactly. And that the nuns... Um, that, that's what I see. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that the nuns are often very pro-life, and it's very firmly held, and they really believe it, and that's part of their core. And I, I don't fault them in the least for that. And of course, they'll never have any children, so it's really sort of moot, or they they might not have any children, I should say. Um, but I do think it's when you start, as you said, start to talk about what other people's bodies should be doing. That's that's a problem. <coughs> in um, any, um, I, I, th I think the whole Catholic Church, I think the Catholic Church really needs to rethink its entire model of how human sexuality works uh, and how, therefore, human morality works. And considering that a big part of, uh, like, the central reason why uh, celibacy is part of the practice of their, their priests and nuns and whatnot is because um, in the Middle Ages, you know, the child would, the, you know, the son. Would inherit the property so the church didn't of want that. Of the father, yes. Yeah. So exactly. So you can't have recognized children. You can't ha be married and have legitimate children because that way the property stays with the church. Uh, you know, like it's all about the money. It's all about the institutional control. But the control. priests were always renting anyway. They didn't. They didn't own the property. So uh, they could have. That was. That was. See, the point. that's how I would have changed the law. Well, <laughs> the thing is, you're also thinking about this in terms of like powerful centralized authority. The whole doctrine of celibacy goes back to a time when Europe was really decentralized, and the only centralizing influence really was the in, church. It was the church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's. It, it's the history of it, you see. Oh, but, still guys in charge. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I. It, well, 
There's a lot of history there, including the fact oh, that there's all over the world. There's something there. I I always have somebody's going to find a biologic basis for that. Maybe it's I, the strength difference. Uh, I think I I think for one thing, it's a case of the uh, uh, the history of. Uh, uh, the efficacy of women has been largely erased, you know, like it's been forgotten or deliberately destroyed, you know, the way that like a significant number of the uh, burials of warriors burials in, uh, uh, you know, Scandinavian cultures, you know, like the Vikings or whatever. It's like, oh, yes, all these warriors graves. They're all men. It's like, uh, no, actually, a good chunk of them are women. You know, they're 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 not dudes. <laughs> yeah. So, the, but the question is why? I guess that's that's a real fundamental question for me: is why have, um, you know, patriarchy's been so the dominant version of of human humankind? Well, I I don't know that they have been. That's um, the point. I think like there was a I think there have been points where like in the past where that's been more prevalent, and I think like it's served to filter out stuff that you know counters that narrative so this is just a case of like what's sort of allowed to penetrate that that membrane have you do you remember the books oh you may not be old enough to remember the books the descent of man was all these um anthropomorphical and sociological books about how we came up from africa and all this stuff and it was like at its peak about men and they hunted and they did this and a woman anthropologist sociologist very highly credentialed published a book called the ascent of woman mm. and it had all the counter, I mean, it was, you know, it's all theoretical, was all the counter arguments about how we went into the sea to get away from predators and why our hair is long and why we have um, big buttocks that we can sit in the sand. And, you know, it, it was quite, it was quite the, the book. And it was, you know, it was sort of one of those things that after it got published, it's like, yeah, women were collecting food and they're feeding the family and maybe maybe the men were just ancillary. <laughs> it was just it was a very funny book. It was actually quite something. So I'm I'm pretty ancillary. John Ray, <laughs> you've got something you want to say. Nah, I don't even know what that means. But that doesn't matter. What I'm gonna <laughs> say what I wanna say is that when we're talking about about systems like this and and histories like this, I think it's very important to remember that um that uh European and and Western "Quote unquote Western society has influenced world world events to an enormous degree, uh, and because there were many many matriarchal societies be like before you know absolutely the age of colonialism of of all that stuff. So if they're so the societies just in lost Europe, history sort of yeah right? I mean the societies in Europe um, when they were just." spitting out ships and taking over places where there were already societies there um and they brought their values and their systems of government and their and their ways of doing things and subjugating the people that were already in in those places uh then then it just seems like patriarchal um patriarchal tendencies are the norm which they're not they're definitely not and it's also worth noting that uh, a lot of the cross-cultural comparison that you're you're alluding to, you know, a lot of the work of early anthropologists, uh, as current anthropologists will tell you, like 
anthropology as a, as a scientific discipline is inherently steeped in colonialism and racism. Like, it's inextricably there. And it's something they're currently struggling with a lot about, like, is our, you know, is our discipline even legitimate? Is it something we should continue to do? Is it is it moral to continue with this, the, the way we're, we're studying the rest of the world? Well, it's the lens they look through. Yeah, it's sort of like right. whether the arrowheads were made by men or women and who hunted. Right. So, so, so the point is <laughs> that like assumption? a lot of this, uh, a lot of the, this, you know, groundwork, uh, the intellectual basis for a lot of this work and a lot of sort of the conclusions that have permeated into culture is sort of like, oh, everybody knows this is how it works. Like that's precisely yeah. uh, the kind of stuff I'm talking about that like filter that was imposed. So, you know, a lot of stuff gets lost. Yeah. Uh, and uh, again, there's also like the deliberate destruction of, of information, uh, or I, languages, and languages too. But and people's I, 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 like, like here, here's something that's that's Euro- European and, and specific. And I don't think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I was reading, uh, 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 I was reading about uh, the the life of Chaucer in the 14th century, and there's a, the famous peasant r- uprising in 1381, and it was like this mass action of the peasantry, this mass popular uprising. And uh, it was women. <laughs> well, uh, the two names that have survived are men's names. You know, John Tyler, Watt Tyler, and John Ball. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of information that like seems to have been lost because of deliberate destruction of records uh, uh, in the uh, early 1400s by the administration of Henry IV. You know, like deliberately suppressing information about Richard II, the guy they violently overthrew. You know, and that's the kind of thing that just happens. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's how the mafia works. Yeah. Who writes history? Yes, and they're very, there's, there's a lot of similarity. So, the person that survives writes the history. Obviously. Yes. So, God knows what they'll say about us, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not much is going to survive. So much of our stuff is digital and, you know, disappears in a few years. Uh, but I thought the internet was forever. <laughs> you have to build big banks like, like, um, build big buildings like banks and churches to have anything remain. So, um, Brexit or, or Nancy Pelosi's? <laughs> well, you wanted to talk about, uh, Nancy Pelosi's little, uh, uh, brinksmanship with the president. Oh man. Which, uh, I gotta say, like she, I'm enjoying it. I don't know if you guys are enjoying it, but <laughs> well, I gotta say like, uh, you know, she's braver than he is. She's better at this than he is. <laughs> I'm not really, I, I wouldn't say I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm, the only thing I'll say is I'm I'm glad it's happening. Glad she's pushing um, back. It's 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 a very good um, example of why we have uh, co-equal um, branches mm-hmm. of or we're supposed to have equal branches of government. There's the there's the House that is saying one thing, the the executive that is saying the other thing, um, and that is that is basically how it's supposed to work. I mean, the problem is that we have it's in the minutes of people not being able, might not be able to feed themselves but you know that's and that's an issue but um but they're using all the levers of power they have to to take each other out that's the thing like that's that's how it's supposed to work like that's um, without guns and knives and things but just you know the levers of well speaker pelosi sent him a message saying perhaps we should reschedule not telling him he wasn't invited, but suggesting that maybe they should reschedule or he should submit it in writing. Yeah, because you know, the news carried it as disinvited. As had been. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it, 
it is that way in polite terms, <laughs> you know, in terms of like, well, perhaps it would be best if we reschedule, <laughs> you know, like when I'd be at home, <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of polite thing where you don't actually say I'm angry with you or you need to reschedule or whatever. You know, it's like, you know, perhaps you could come to tea at another time, you know, perhaps it would Sorry, be better. Madam is indisposed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, and of course. That's you know, perfectly within her domain as the, as the well, speaker as, of the house. Absolutely, but it also it also leaves it open for for Trump to respond to say, <laughs> "Oh, well, I understand there there are these concerns, but I've addressed them or whatever." You know, like like it's the opening of an exchange, and Trump's response is basically like to the mat lady. <laughs> yeah, it's like like I've canceled your flight at the last minute just just because. And then we've told the news where you were going, so you can't go safely. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Ex exactly. <laughs> Like Trump, Trump isn't doing this as well as she is, and he thinks this is, you know, he probably thinks like this is. Well, I showed her, and it's like, no, you didn't, yeah, not really, well. you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it, it uh, I mean, Trump is a is just the president is I'm, not good at pretty much anything. I am so. so glad that Nancy Pelosi knows how to use power, because she's one of the few up there that I've noticed that actually. Does yeah. know how to use it, so we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. The problem is, as John says, people people need their checks. They need to eat. One thing they, that uh, they do, and I don't I don't know how the uh, Republicans are gonna how long much longer they can stick with the president. On was this. it where's Mitch? You sent me the hashtag where's Mitch? Yeah, I, I sent you that. <laughs> oh, there. you said it. Yeah. Um, if people look for, uh, I mean, um, Andrea Ocasio Cortez uh, was starting that, and and the. And a lot of the younger um, mm -hmm. uh, people in the house were starting the hashtag "Where's Mitch." They had pictures of them like searching through the house mm -hmm. <laughs> or through the Capitol building, like looking around corners, <laughs> like "Is he over here? No, where is he?" You know. Um, but uh, there, I just want to mention that there is another hashtag that that was going around today, just randomly hashtag President Pelosi because mm -hmm. of the BuzzFeed article. Like, what if? Trump oh. and and uh, Pence got taken out. Third in line. Uh, one of the most entertaining things I've seen today was a tweet re response to that saying, "It would, it, it would be just like America for our first woman president to get in a, as on a technicality." Yeah, yeah, it would. Because mm -hmm. two guys lost their jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and <laughs> yeah. Well, and she's she's an older person, and I really would like. You know, I'd like a little youth in the in the presidential <laughs> suite, but but she does know how to use power, and I think if Mitch Speaker Pelosi were to ascend to the presidency to replace uh, President Trump, which could well happen, I mean, since you know there's this report that uh, the president suborned perjury for Michael Cohen to lie to Congress, and if that's if the sort of the larger Russia investigation also winds up uh, implicating uh, Vice President Pence, which it could, yeah, although he's kind of he's been out of the it. loop. He's very good at not knowing I don't nothing. Think they've, I think they've intentionally cut him off yeah. from from uh, like a lot of. The, I mean, you didn't see him. Uh, you didn't see him talking a lot about like campaign um, strategy or anything like that. He just In showed any up of the where meetings, they told him to. Yeah, Here, here's the, yeah, but here's the thing that I I I, I note. And Ryan my lied to him. <coughs> not Flynn. Flynn lied to my him. Right. Well, my understanding is that uh, Mike Pence was essentially. Uh, foisted upon Trump uh, by Paul Manafort, who does appear to be a Russian spy, a Russian good, agent. Good point. So, like, if he's getting his marching orders from the Kremlin, yeah. 
That's how Pence got it. And, th- you know, that, that, that could well torpedo Pence's legitimacy, especially if there's more involvement, more to come out. I mean, who knows? So, uh, yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking so Pence I, is more of a conservative's conservative. But, if, but anyway, if him. Speaker Pelosi winds up becoming president and serving out the rest of pre- uh, Trump's term, that means she's leaving office in 2021. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did want to say that Mitch McConnell knows how to use power, but his power is more of the saboteur sniper, whereas Nancy Pelosi is standing right out there in the field, in the open field. One of the one of the dif- one of the differences between Speaker of the House and Senate Majority Leader is Speaker of the House is a formal t- is a formal office designated in the Constitution. Uh, Senate Majority Leader is just sort of like. Yeah, the know. most senior person in this. Well, it's 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 actually it's, they're not because the VP is the president of the Senate. It's really it, entirely informal. Yeah. You know, there's no, it's not in the constitutional line of succession or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, oh my goodness, we're almost uh, almost at the end of our time. Time here. flies Again. when you're having fun. So people should send us their ideas and questions, right? For, oh yes, uh, absolutely. Future shows. We would, yeah, absolutely. We we definitely love to address more the interests of our listeners. Uh, now that we know that there's at least two of you out there, and uh, um, oh, and Nick, uh, in particular, uh, Nicole LaChapelle, the mayor of East Hampton, will be joining us next week. So uh, please do uh, get in touch with us if you have any questions for her. Um, and I should also mention a couple of things. One, uh, we do uh, try to upload a podcast of the show to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., etc., um, every week. Uh, and we have a repeat of this show on Monday afternoons at 4 p.m. still, so you can listen to us live on air again. And coming up next, uh, we have a great mix of music shows. Subculture, followed by Table of Contents at 10 o'clock, and then OK Asia at midnight with uh, repeats of Drum and Bass with DJ Fife and Dark Wave going into the wee, wee hours, if you, like me, can't sleep. I just want to... Um... I, I've been ill for the past uh, week, so uh, I was not able to upload last week's uh, episode, but that will go up uh, this weekend along with uh, today tonight's episode. Thank God you're back. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you don't have cooties anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> circle, circle, dot, dot. That's all I'll say to that. Right. So, um... Yeah, there was something else I wanted to say that was clever, and I don't remember it, so it probably wasn't that clever. Anyway, um, I guess that's it for Civil Politics tonight. I've been Michael Dow. Uh, that's been Sue Timberlake and John Roberts. Thank you for listening to us here on Valley Free Radio. Uh, we'll be back next week. Good night. This show is part of the Planetside Productions Network. For more information, please visit www.planetside.pro. And thank you for listening. <laughs>